Good morning. I've got some good news this morning. Kelly Joe, who is just here, where? Oh, there she is. Stand up, Kelly Joe. She's adopting some girls, and she just made it through a major hurdle. So, can we all just like celebrate? It's just so exciting. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We just pray, Lord, for swift uh, favor with government, with papers, with documents and passports and all of those things so that we can get these girls here. There's also a fundraiser out on the desk, out in the foyer. You can buy coffee and also support Kelly Joe's adoption process. So if you would like to do that, we just recommend that you just go out there and give and buy lots of coffee to support Kelly Joe. So, and we're just excited. So uh, today's going to be a little different. Typically, I kind of have like a main scripture or point and something that I'm really going after with lots of scripture. I mean, my PowerPoints are so long when I send them over. And, and today I just, I want to have to do something a little more casual, something a little different, uh, because I just have some stories on my heart, some things to share from the past few weeks, some places I've been, some things that have been happening. And that's what I want to share with you today. So I'm going to have three kind of sections. And I feel like each time it's going to be like a gear shift, like, oh, now we're going over here or now we're going over here. But um, ultimately, whatever we do, every Sunday we gather, we have three goals. One, we want you to encounter the love of God. And, and walk in the love of God, like be loved and love others. The other one is we want you to be equipped for life in Christ, that you leave this place and you're like, I, I have some tools. I have some equipping. I can go out and live in the way of Jesus because I've got some ideas of what this looks like. And the third one is we want you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're a church that embraces the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we want to activate the gifts of the spirit in our lives. We want to be operating in the gifts of the spirit. So we pray that when you leave here, you'll be like, Holy spirit, what's happening? What gifts should I be using today when I'm interacting with people today? So regardless, I'm just praying that even though we're going to be like one, two, three different kind of sections of things, I pray that you take something away, ask the Lord, what can I take away today? Um, the first thing, just so you have a little bit of roadmap, so you don't feel disoriented. <laughs> the first thing I want to talk about welcoming guests among us. The other one is uh, Aaron and I were in David's tent. And a lot of you know, have heard about David's tent. And they're like a family relationship to us here. And a lot of you have asked about stories of David's tent. And I'm going to share some of those so that we can know about our family that lives across the pond. And just share some encouraging stories from that. And the third, I want to finish with an introduction for a new series we're starting next week. So kind of some different places we're going, but I know the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us. It, no matter what I share every Sunday, it always amazes me how I stand up here and I have this burden on my heart. I have something to share. And then people will come to me throughout the week and say, remember that time you said this, or remember the time you said that? And I'm going to like, yeah, and like that just meant so much to me or that really affected me. And I'm, that's so encouraging to me when you tell me that, because I'd like to know what is resonating with you, but um, it's also amazing how diverse and broad that is. It's kind of like the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today, regardless of what I say. <laughs> Could you believe that? Yes. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is here and has something for you to take from this place. And so be expectant of that. 
as I shift gears a few different places today. So I would like to pray, and I've put this prayer up on the PowerPoint. Corky, if you could put that prayer up so that we could pray it together out loud if you like. So we'll just wait for that. He's looking for it, looking for it. The computer's saying no. The computer's saying no. You, how about we do it the good old 1970s and 80s way, and you could repeat after me. <laughs> okay. Let's just, let's just repeat after me. Holy Spirit, our teacher. As we continue worship and explore your word today. Now we're going to read together. Would you awaken our hearts, expand our thinking, and shape who we are today and what we do tomorrow? In the name of Jesus, amen. I love congregation participation, so thank you all. <laughs> so first one, welcoming one another. Uh, last weekend was so much fun. We had our church day out up in the mountains. And I love it because on Labor Day weekend, so many of our friends are just going all over the place, going out to the woods, going to do some, to do so many things, which I don't want to do because I don't want to be in the woods with everybody else who just left the city. But also I'm here and I'm like, I wish we'd done something. And so I love this church, this church custom that we've been developing that we go up to the mountains to worship. And it was just beautiful to be in the spruces, to be under the, uh, the, the trees and in Big Cottonwood Canyon. And I just love it. I love that expression of church that is different than this. This isn't everything, right? We think of church, we think of coming here on Sunday morning, but church is way bigger than that. It's bigger than our Sunday meetings. So I just love that we do that. We go up there and we talk with one another, encourage one another, sing, have a little devotional and think about the Lord communion. It's so good. Now, one thing that has always, every year we're kind of like, should we do that? Like we feel bad for any guests who might who come to the door. Uh, as you, you might've all noticed, we have a camera now um, on our front door because you would be amazed how many people just come throughout the week because this is a church and they just want someone to talk to. So the idea of not having church here on Sunday morning is a little bit like, oh, we don't want to miss anybody who would be coming hungry, right? I was so delighted last week when the morning starts and just one by one, one by one, guests just start rolling into the Spruce's campground. It was amazing. They just kept trickling in and um, they weren't all from one family. Like, oh, that family of five and that family of seven all came. No, it was five different invitations brought 12 different guests. And some of the people who invited them weren't even there. <laughs> it was just, it made me so happy that you came to the campground. Some of you came back and we're just so glad you're here that you came back and that you felt welcomed. Our prayer is that whoever comes in these doors will feel welcome and respected, right? Each person who comes, that they would feel welcome and respected. And I'm so blessed because I feel like our community is that way. I just hear it over and over again. You're welcoming. Thank you for being kind to us. Thank you for receiving us. So I, that just makes me so happy. But I'm going to tell a story about a church in England. It's nice. It's so far away because this is a story of how they did a bad job receiving a guest. This could easily happen to us. 
So I met this guy who, um, Aaron and I met this guy who works with professional athletes and he works with the Chelsea soccer club or football club in England. So if you know England, you know, Chelsea club is a big deal. Or if you watch Ted Lasso, right? <laughs> Anyways, the Chelsea club is a big deal. Um, and he brought one of the most famous athletes from this Chelsea club to church. And he was just like, it was terrible. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, churches don't know how to welcome celebrities. They didn't give him any space. They just wanted selfies and to shake his hand. And he just wanted to come and be one of us and worship with us. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer. That's, that's sad. And then he said, if you're a pastor, will you please prepare your church to be ready for when famous people come? <laughs> I was like, ah, yeah, sure. That's a huge problem we have. I will work on that. <laughs> I'll communicate that. Um, you know, you know, just so you all know, we're 40 years old. 20 years ago, Justine Bateman, also known as Mallory on Family Ties, did come to this church. I know. If it were Jay I wasn't here that Sunday. And if it were Jason Bateman, I would have been so mad. <laughs> But she did come one time, 40 years, 39 years. That's really not the point. Because we're not, it's not about celebrities, right? But here's what is important to this church family when it comes to welcoming guests from any walk of life. It could be a celebrity. It could be our next door neighbor. This is what I want us to ask. This is what I hope we ask. Holy Spirit, what does this guest need right now? right in this place. We know the Holy Spirit can speak to us and tell us, do they need distance? Do they need a hug? Do they need few words? Do they need many words? We can ask the Holy Spirit to show us, what does this guest need? And it's not just about our guests. How does the Lord want us to receive one another? When we come to worship, to lift the name of the Lord high, to praise his name, but part of praising the Lord and letting his love be lifted high in our midst is how we treat one another. Remember the passage from Matthew 25 when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says to them, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. His disciples look at Jesus and they say, whoa, Lord, when did we see you hungry, naked, imprisoned, or sick? Lord Jesus, we didn't see you that way. And he says in Matthew 25, 40, in the next verse, he says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. How we receive and serve one another, both inside these walls and out up at campgrounds, at work, wherever we are, really matters because Jesus identifies with them. It could be the cashier in the grocery store, the driver next to you, the other patient sitting in the doctor's office for how many hours. So in our myths, sometimes God's going to bring us people for a short season. I'm super sad because our family has grown to love the McCann family and Kelly Hill. 
and they're moving. No. <laughs> but, you know, first Thomas came and then the rest of them came. And the good news is Elijah is staying with us. Woohoo! Yeah, <laughs> there's reason to celebrate. <laughs> they've been in transition. And it's been a, they've been like in this transitional place in their life. Like, God, what is, how do you want us to handle this? These life choices and things we need to decide. What do we do? They've been with us just a little while. But they've come and they've just worshipped with us. They've eaten with us. Their kids have served with us. Um, how we receive those who come in and go out, even just six months, it matters. There's Jesus multiplied five times in that row right there. How we receive and serve those who come in and out is how we receive and worship Jesus Sometimes we welcome and receive a person for just one Sunday or just one cookout. Remember at our cookout, we had Facebook guests. How fun was that? They looked hungry. <laughs> they looked like they needed it. It was so good to serve them. We don't know what's going to happen for them, where their future is. Hebrews 13, 2 says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Amazing. Think of that. There's Jesus, there are angels, and our hospitality. Who are we serving? Who are we loving? Uh, we're celebrating our 39th anniversary soon. And maybe, Mike, we might let you be a judge this year. If you're on good behavior, <laughs> just teasing. <laughs> He's like, yes, yes, my foot is in the door. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> um, 39 years, the doll, the extended doll family, the Ericsons, the Sevings, they've been in this congregation for like four decades. That's, that's amazing. How we receive and serve those with us who've been here for a long time, is also how we serve and receive Jesus and worship Jesus. Matthew 25, um, Jesus wants to emphasize this idea. So he says it again, but he says it in a different way. So you know Jesus is being very intentional here when he says it a different way. His disciples will also say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in person and did not help you? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Wow. It's not just what we do. It's what we don't do. When we gather here, we come first for the for the great commandment in the way of the great commandment, love the Lord, your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's that man. That sums it all up, right? Jesus said, that's the sum of it all. But we also come equipped for the great commission to go into all the world, to make disciples. We're here to worship Jesus, love God, but worshiping Jesus and loving God means seeing and including others who need to hear the good news who want to be disciples. How we go to others and receive from others is how we receive Jesus. Okay, shifting gears. So we went to this event called David's Tent. Real quick summary for those of you who don't know what it is. It's this 
giant worship, worship festival on a big old estate in the south of England where 6,000 people come and they stay in tents or at local pubs and hotels or bed and breakfasts or Airbnbs. And then they come in and out of this giant tent where nonstop worship is happening for 72 hours. It's a huge deal. There are 125 team volunteer leads and 400 volunteers. It takes a tremendous amount of effort to pull this off and a lot of money. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> and here's the other thing. The people who come are Anglican from the Church of England. They're Catholic. They're spirit-filled. They're Baptist. They're Presbyterian. They're non-denominational. They're just curious and coming to check it out. They're black and white and brown. They're tattooed. So others are prim and very proper, the English way. Just all sorts, 6,000 people. Some of my favorite, they come from England, Europe, um, lots of African refugees, Asians, Americans. I love the Koreans. They come. One year I met this little group of Koreans, maybe five of them. And they're like, oh, we only do the worship sets at night. We only go into the tent at night. We don't want to mess up. We don't want to be jet lagged when we go back to Korea. Because at night, it's a much smaller group. They came to keep this song going for 24 hours or 72 hours. I love it because it's a beautiful picture and a reminder of how big God's and how diverse and how complicated and different God's big church is. It reminds me of, of our global day of prayer that we have here, but extended and with a little more community and just, it's just so amazing. Several of the leaders of David's tent, the Buellers and the Sandors, 20 years ago, we as a community participated in their discipleship, and we've supported them and encouraged them all these years, and that's where that relationship comes. I also serve on the board there. But like, our, like we have a connection with David's tent, we have a connection with World Outreach, the missions organization. Remember this summer, we had a bunch of our missionaries here. We have this relationship with them. But I want to tell you a few stories that happened at David's tent because I think they're good for us. Um, first of all, just remember in the Bible, in the Old Testament, God actually had his people go out into the wilderness or go into different places to celebrate different feasts, he called them, where all the people, they would stop their regular work. They would take a day of rest they would remember vows and commitments that they had made. They would bring offerings and tithes. They would do giving even for the foreigner and the widows and the fatherless. And they would all come and they would have these big giant feasts. And you can learn about those in Leviticus 23 if you're interested. Today, we live in a new covenant. We don't, we don't necessarily practice our faith the same way they did, but there are glimpses of it. We get together here on a weekly basis. We have our Sabbath, our days of rest, and we come here and we worship with one another. But every once in a while, we get to go out to big events. Every once in a while, we might gather with the church at the Global Day of Prayer or a worship event 
or a conference or something like David's tent. And those are so good for us. And God knows they're good for us because we see that the church is bigger. It's bigger than us. It's more diverse than us. And we can't imagine holding all that diversity together. Oh my goodness. The doctrine that that church has, the doctrine, oh, I could never do that. Right? We, but God somehow holds all this together and has this big, beautiful church that he's shaping and building and preparing. So I think about this event and I'm like, how on earth do we pull this off every year? Why do these volunteers keep coming back? This is hard work. Why do they keep doing this? Why do we keep doing this? And here's what's interesting. After the event, I gathered with some smaller groups. We had a meal together and I'd ask them, what was your favorite part? What was your favorite part? And nine times out of 10, they would mention maybe a music set or a worship set. But then the next thing they would say is, I had this amazing encounter with someone. Nine times out of 10, it wasn't about the music. It was about something that happened with them and someone else at David's tent. For example, the accounting team lead, that sounds like an exciting team to be a part of, doesn't it? It's one of the smaller teams, five people. I'm sorry, if you're an account accountant, I appreciate you so much. I love this guy, his name is Matt, he's amazing. But I'm like, that would be hard. That would be a sacrifice of praise to come do accounting at the event. But he has a team of five volunteers and they're, they're pretty much the same five volunteers the last several years. One of the volunteers is a woman who lives in a really tough and dysfunctional family setting. So for the last five years, they've all been coming and they've all been rallying around this woman who's in this, this really bad situation. Every year they all come, they sing, they dance, they lament, they rejoice, they pour out their heart before the Lord. And every year they see her making steps towards more freedom, steps towards more wholeness. And he's like, this year, Sarah, she's like, she's making some major changes. And we were all there to celebrate and worship with her. And it's not just them ministering to her, her courage and her faithfulness and hardship. He's like, she, she humbles me. She makes me want to be like her. So his takeaway was not all the singing and the worship, but life together. Another thing that was exciting for me this year, because I've been involved for several years, um, is that the culture has shifted a bit after the pandemic. Um, Tiffany, the director, Tiffany Bueller, Mike and Diane's daughter-in-law, um, she recognized that we, that David's tent community wasn't including the black voice, the black church in David's tent enough. So she said, we have to change this. So what did she do? She included more black leadership. She spent more time with the black leadership they had. She had worship sets led by black leaders. And in 2021, that was rough. It was a culture shift. It was like, ooh, we don't like this music. We don't like this style. This is different, you know? And there was resistance. And 2022, we did it again. And because we did it again, all the black people came too. 
It wasn't just the leaders and the worship sets. They came as participants. And I am telling you guys, it was glorious. It was so incredible to have more diversity in our song and our worship. I mean, at one point, we were dancing African style with hankies. I'm not kidding. Really were. People were tearing off their socks and the guys were tearing off their shirts because they didn't have any, they didn't have hankies. Nobody said, bring a hanky to DT 22. And so I tore off this little lanyard thing I had. <laughs> and we were just all worshiping. And this is going to make me cry. The, the leader who's been on team for years, she stood up at this evening meal post-event and she just said, I never thought I'd get to worship like this at David's tent. I never thought that my song and my dance would be at David's tent. And there it was. Here's the point. Tiffany recognized we can't worship Jesus and not have more people at the table. We can't worship him and not have more of our brothers and sisters here. Speaking of the table and food, we hire lots of food truck vendors. <laughs> and the food truck vendors go from music festival to music festival in England because there's a lot, it's a, they love their music festivals and it's a small country. So you can go music festival hopping pretty easily there. It's amazing. Did they say to one of our leaders, they said, this is the best festival. The people are kind and genuine and authentic. Just buying food from our restaurant person can be a witness, can lift the name of Jesus high. We also know that, excuse me for being cross, but what comes in must go out, right? <laughs> So the food, the honey buckets, <laughs> we also have honey bucket vendors. Over there, they call them loos, right? So we got the loo service. And uh, the gentleman who serviced the loos when he was picking them up after the event, he told one of our leaders, he's like, I just want it to be clear. I've never been a Christian. I'm not a Christian. And I'm not going to be a Christian. And he said, but the one thing that might make me, make me think about being a Christian is how you all treat the loos. person in line could be a witness to Christ. It's something to think about. These are the stories. That, I mean, we also tell stories about, remember that time we were all just shouting and singing, or remember that time it was so quiet, or remember that time that person danced, or, you know, we have those memories, but these are also the memories. There's loving God and loving one another. First John 4.20 the message version, quirky, could we put that up? If anyone boasts, I love God and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. A good friend of mine said, I didn't realize I couldn't worship Jesus and not be changed. Like when you worship Jesus, it changes you. It changes you. How we receive and love one another is how we receive and serve Jesus. It's, it's a chicken and egg. It's a chicken and egg process. 
Okay, shifting gears for the third time. Uh, we've spent a lot of time with the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels. We spent some time in the book of Acts, the book of James, doing different series. Uh, last spring, someone came to me and said, I know a lot about the Gospels and the teachings of Jesus. I want to learn some other stuff from the Bible. I was like, yeah, okay, thanks for telling me. It's good to know. It's good to get your feedback. So I've been thinking about it all spring, all summer, because... The teachings of Jesus and the words of Jesus and reading scripture through the lens of what Jesus did is a huge priority for us as a church. Stanley said that when we opened, it's about Jesus for us here. And even the way we, we read the Old Testament, we always want to be reading it through the lens of who Jesus is and what he said. But we're going to dive into some stories from the Old Testament next, and we're going to look at the life of David going to do a series on the life of David. Um, thinking of history, uh, there have been many, many, many times when people have come to our church and said, there's a Davidic mantle on this church, or you are supposed to be David-like. And, you know, that, that could be a past word, but I think there's DNA that continues into the future. And I remember uh, Corky and Sharon and the team doing um, a series on David years ago. And I just, I learned so much from it. I received so much from it. So we're going to be exploring the life of David. Um, let me tell you a couple things about David. He had terrible flaws. <laughs> he did some wicked, awful things. <laughs> but maybe that's why we can learn so much from him, right? Despite his weakness, weaknesses, the overarching story of David's life teaches us to hope in the generational promises of God, despite evil that we see all around us. We learn that God opposes the proud and exalts the humble, which is so huge. And we also know that David is an, is an example of a worshiper who trusts in God, even when he makes mistakes and does all sorts of things and his life is in danger. He teaches us to spend time in the presence of God. I teach a weekly, or I go to a weekly pottery class and none of the people in my class are Christians except Ray Lynn or they, none of them go to church anyway. Um, so they might be Christians, but I don't know. But we've got Ray Lynn and me in this class and they're like, why are you going to England? I said, oh, I'm going for this music festival. It's a worship festival. Really? Yeah, it's called David's Tent. Well, what is that? And so they just start asking me all these questions. So pretty soon I'm telling Bible stories from the Old Testament about David. But before I can even start telling Bible stories, my instructor, he's like, wait a minute, David, isn't that the guy who like moved the ark and his face started melting off? <laughs> It's like, no, that's Raiders of the Lost Ark. So this is why we got to be in pottery classes, folks. Like, so we can tell stories about the presence of the Lord. So we have this idea that God's presence is fire and brimstone and intense. And you know what? Sometimes it is. Sometimes God's presence wants to do a deep and searing work in our life that's intense. But the overarching story of David is actually about the opening up of the presence of God and about the promise of Jesus coming as a king and leaving his presence to dwell inside of each one of us. It's about 
God's presence dwelling in us. So I'm closing right now, just so you know, since we've been shifting gears so much. Um, David was known for being a shepherd where he developed a personal relationship with God. We're also going to learn about David and how he related to his mighty men, his friend Jonathan, his family, his wives, other women. That's problematic. Yes. We're going to like look at the nitty and gritty of David's life and see how God was faithful despite all the other things. We're also going to learn about how G David established Jerusalem as a place of public worship for people from all nations. People ended up coming to Jerusalem to see who is this God of Israel? Who is this God that David worships? So I'd like to invite the band up. So my prayer is that over the next few weeks, your personal relationship with Jesus will deepen that your personal relationship with Jesus will deepen while you are out in your fields, tending to the work of your hands, that you're, that while you look at you after your sheep, metaphorically, right? <laughs> that Jesus will be lifted high in your life, personal life. And then I'm also praying that We'll learn how to relate to our friends, fi family, and the mighty ones that God's going to put in our circles, and that our love will be lifted high among us and the people that God brings to us. And that as we study what Jesus, uh, what David did with worship in Jerusalem, we'll remember that there's a bigger church, and God wants us sometimes to have a bird's eye view of the church. He wants us to experience things like David's tent. And things like Global Day of Prayer or whatever conference you've gone to or whatever workshop or maybe you visited another church in town and you're like, oh, the church is bigger. The church is big. It's diverse. Um, we want them to be lifted high in our own lives, in the lives of our community, and in our world, don't we? So as we close, I asked um, the band if they would sing a song about the presence of God. And so thinking about those three different gears we shifted into. As we sing, there's a bridge or an end to the song that says, I want to be more aware of your presence. So ask the Lord to make you more aware of his presence personally in you. But also ask the Lord that you'll see his presence in the lives of those around you because God is always working. Like Kelly Joe said earlier, even when we don't see it, even when we don't know it, Jesus is working. So ask the Lord to give you eyes to see the presence of God working in others around you. And then ask the Lord to make us more aware of his presence working in his big church. David's tent couldn't go longer than three days I mean, that's just, it couldn't. All our differences and all of that stuff would start, you know, whatever. We just, nobody can camp longer than that either. Come on. <laughs> We'd start getting on each other. But we get to get a glimpse of what Jesus is holding together. Jesus is holding this big church together and it gives us hope for 
our little churches and our little groups and our little groups of mighty men. There's something bigger that God is doing. So let's become more aware of his presence. Amen. Let's stand. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare your living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. When my heart becomes free and my shame is undone, your presence, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the what our hearts long to be overcome by your presence love your presence there's nothing worth more that will ever come close nothing can compare you're our living home your presence I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone, your presence and Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the Good man. let us be 
singing a song recently and one of the lines in the song was um, the one who um, knows me most is the one who loves me best and I've just been meditating on that that idea of you know as we get to know one another as we come into relationship with one another as we know one another more we see our each other's flaws we see each other's weaknesses we see all these things and I love that that our love goes deeper as we get to know one another more, we actually have the opportunity to love each other better. And if we think about how the Lord sees us, the Lord knows us the most. No one knows my thoughts and my weaknesses and my strengths and who I am. And the Lord knows us the most. And the Lord loves us the best. And so I just want us to pray, Lord, we come and Lord, we say that's like a whole nother level of vulnerability. It's a whole nother level of relationship that you who you know us the most, no one could know us more. And that means you, you run to us and you love us the best. So Lord, I, I pray for myself that as I become more aware of your presence, Lord, that I would be vulnerable and honest with you. That I would bring all of me to you, my weaknesses, my sins, my flaws. Because I know you, I'm just gonna experience more of your love. You say, just you pour out more and more and more and more so lord thank you for that invitation to be aware of your presence and lord in your presence is fullness of joy it's peace we don't have to live in shame we don't have to live in fear lord may, may we be a people that are aware of your presence all the time and how much you love us and how big your love is and how great your love is. 
Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate you. The more the Lord knows you, the more the Lord wants to come close. The more you allow the Lord to love you, the closer the Lord wants to come. And Lord, help us as the more we know each other, help us to love each other better. Help us as a community, Lord, to love well. nothing that separates us from the love of God. Lord, would you just take us as a community to a whole new level of knowing and walking and experiencing your love like never before. For me, Lord, I want to know your love like never before. Lord, and I thank you for our community, Lord. I thank you that we're a community of people that that's, wants to love well. And so, Lord, I bless us today. I bless us as we go. That Sandy and the, and the work environments that we all work in and the places that we all interact, Lord, that they would know about you because of the love we have, the love we have for each other. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. If there's anything you want prayer for this morning, you want to spend a little bit more time. Um, we could probably spend more time here. Um, we'll have a um, prayer team over at the table. Please um, just spend time receiving prayer. If you're online, um, please reach out to us. Send us an email. We'd love to just spend time praying with you. I bless you as we go this week. I bless you that you would know how much you're loved and that that love would just um, be extended. Amen? Amen.